Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is making carrier relationships more productive with Noam Frankel. Welcome, Noam. How are you? I'm great, Joe. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. I met Noam through my friend Ryan Schreiber, but I kind of had known of Noam for many years through Ryan and some other people who've mentioned him. So we're talking to an industry legend here today. So I'm, I'm very excited to get Noam's two cents on his new venture. But before we get into that, Noam, please introduce yourself and your company. Hi, my name is Noam Frankel. I'm founder and CEO of FreightFriend. FreightFriend is a SaaS technology focused on procurement, covering freight by finding a tool to find new carriers, manage and develop carrier relationships, delivering then a dynamic routing guide to identify carriers, freight matching technology to engage with those carriers and allow for automated execution. Nice, nice. That's a mouthful. So where are you based? I'm based in Chicago, where I've been for most of my life. Very nice. Very nice. So tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And what did you study? And then give us some career highlights. Grew up in the north suburbs of Chicago. Went to school in Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania. Came out of college in the early 80s looking for uh, work in public transportation or city planning, RTA, CTA, regional transportation. There was uh, very little available. I was fortunate then to get right out of college, pretty much introduced to a gentleman by the name of Paul Lowe, who had just started a company called American Backhaulers while working for his father. And then together in his dad's office, we started to build this company called American Backhaulers, which had a significant impact on the industry. Yeah. Before we go into the other things you've done in your career, talk about the significance of American backhaulers. I know uh, somebody gave me a history lesson on it and I was fascinated. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, we started in 1982, 1983. So we grew out of deregulation, which had just happened by Jimmy Carter in 1980. So when we started, there was about 500 brokers in the country. It wasn't really a business that made a lot of sense because the authority authority limited what carriers could go where very significantly. And then through deregulation, carriers could have 48 state authority. So now suddenly all these carriers are now available to choose from and it lends itself to a brokerage opportunity. Some of the innovations that I think we made were significant And it really was two young guys who were in an industry that was stayed trying to figure things out. But we really developed a centralized office model rather than a lot of small offices. We departmentalized the organization. I pretty quickly realized that rather than having an individual rep focus on what was then called a cradle-to-grave model and still is called handling every aspect of a shipment, we departmentalized the company to let people focus on the customer side on the carrier side. And then for track and trace or dispatching, we realized that that would be a great place for training new individuals on the transportation industry. We really focused on carrier relationships, realizing that without carriers, we had nothing. That was our whole business. So paying them super fast, treating them well, taking care of them as if they were just as important as our customers was a critical focus right off the bat. Definitely an innovation we did. I think incentivization, we played with a lot of those 
models that really made a difference to allow people to make as much money, reap what they sow, really created this innovative atmosphere. So I'm probably forgetting a few others, but I think we had a lot of uh, innovations. Yeah. So to talk about the difference between, and define this for those of us who didn't grow up in this business, what is the difference between cradle to grave, describe what that is, and then what you called Chicago model? Yeah, so cradle to grave, which is the primary broker at the time that we started was C.H. Robinson at that point, which was a lot of small offices around the country. And they had grown out of produce brokerage and started moving their own freight. And so cradle to grave was a individual got a customer got some loads from that customer, found the truck. The process before we came on the scene was to get offered a load by a client and tell them, um, let me see if I can find a truck. And then they try to find a truck for the load. And then if they got it, they'd call back and hopefully the load was still available. They would price it according to the cost that they had up front. They would then dispatch the driver, make sure it got picked up, make sure it got delivered, or else they would just tell the carrier what to do and hope it happened. And that was kind of the cradle to grave model where one person is handling all aspects of the load cycle. So that's a freight broker handling from end to end. And there's still a lot of people who operate that way because the metrics of hiring and labor make it the math easier, perhaps. And, you know, TQL certainly grew up in cradle to grave and uh, had success with it. American backhaulers really developed the split model, which became known as the Chicago model, where, you know, I really was one of the first people to start up customer-focused people, carrier-focused people, and use dispatch as a training model. So what that allowed to happen is people could build relationships with clients, focus on getting as much freight as they could, knowing that somebody else was going to work on covering it. And it allowed on the carrier side, them to also build relationships with carriers and treat them like customers. And they could try to move multiple, as many loads as they could on their core carrier base. So individual carrier reps had a carrier base, just like on the customer side, people would have a customer base. So that's the core of the split model that I think is known as the Chicago model now in the industry. Right. And, and we had talked to when we were prepping for this is that I have always uh, believed, and again, I'm sure there's a good argument for both sides, but I've always believed that that split model is better because it's really hard for a freight broker to kind of get beyond a certain number of customers if he's got to do, get his own trucks, got to do his own dispatch. And I know sometimes they get assistance, but I like the idea of saying, this is the ops group. This is maybe the customer service group. You're the carrier development group and let sales guys be sales guys. And I also like having SDRs. That makes sense to me too. So I I love what you guys started there at American Backhaulers back in the day. But I do think if carrier relationships is not important to you as an organization, the reason for the split model becomes less evident and less relevant. So if you're just slinging freight and that's what you want to do, just figure out how you can get reps that are going to move five to 10 loads a day total and put a, just hiring reps accordingly, the cradle of the grave may make sense. American Backhaulers eventually sold to C.H. Robinson? Yeah, American Backhaulers sold to C.H. Robinson in 1999. And then the technology and the concepts, the technology that we developed and the concepts around that technology really became disseminated to the industry a lot more at that point. You uh, to work with Jeff Silver there, right? 
So Jeff Silver and I, I came in 1982, 1983 and met Paul Loeb and Jeff Silver and I were best friends at the time, camp counselors together. He was a year younger than me. After he graduated Michigan, I brought him into the industry as I brought a lot of different people into the industry, key people like John Thompson I hired who brought in, who ran the whole carrier side at American Backhaulers and was as key as anybody else there. A lot of people in the industry I brought in, including Ryan Schreiber, who uh, introduced you to me. That's right. And Jeff Silver went on to found Coyote and probably used a lot of the things, same things you guys did at American Backhaulers and probably expanded on that. Paul sold American Backhaulers to C.H. Robinson. I think Jeff had expectations that he would be running the brokerage at C.H. Robinson. And in a corporate structure, it didn't work out that way. He went to MIT, got uh, technology degrees and founded Coyote, which more motivated than he was <laughs> before to make it successful. I think he did okay there. Where'd you go after you left American Backhaulers? I sold out earlier in the 90s. I sold out prematurely, probably, because I was interested in exploring environmental technology so I had a non-compete in the industry, and I stepped out of the industry for about 10 years, founded a business in healthcare, founded a business in environmental dry cleaning, got my MBA, and then came back to the industry about 10 years later. I was then hired soon thereafter by uh, Eric Lefkowski and Brad Keywell at uh, Echo Global Logistics, where they were primarily an LTL operation, and I built their whole truckload side. Uh, which now is a significant portion of the business. I built the technology at that business, the truckload technology, just I had, like I had built the initial technologies at American Backhaulers. Then went on to found another brokerage called Optimal Freight. I sold to TFI. And in the middle there, I founded this technology company called Freight Friend, where I had an initial idea when I started to see Facebook and LinkedIn how that worked, that that would be a great mechanism to allow the generation of relationships from both sides, being able to decide who they wanted to be friends with and connect with. And consequently, we called it Freight Friend. Oh, I like it. So we'll get back to more about Freight Friend in a minute. So today's topic is making carrier relationships more productive with Noam Frankel. And we touched on care relationships already in this discussion, but what are some of the problems with developing good carrier relationships that you see? And again, I know um, we talked about the split model versus the cradle to grave, but just talk about industry in general. What are some of the issues you see with the relationships or lack thereof? <laughs> I think the primary industry right now that I'm finding is it's a really a lost art. So when we get management coming to us, realizing that our technology is going to enable them to build relationships and they're motivated to try to do it, they don't have anybody on the floor who's ever done it before. So it's really a lost art of individuals who are used to being able to post loads on the public load board, sit back and watch the NCAA tournament and be driven by Collins. The problem is that's a limited subset of carriers that typically often don't have client networks of their own and are going where the money is based on public load boards. And you're getting a certain level of carrier, a certain price point, a certain level of service, and you're really missing out on a lot more carriers. Furthermore, it starts to become into question, what are we doing as freight brokers? What is the value that we're providing to clients? In my book and how I've been teaching people for 40 years, is it is the relationships that we have with carriers to be able to have a carrier network much larger than a shipper is going to want to or be able to manage. And the data that we have on those carriers and the ability to utilize those relationships and that data to identify the right carrier for any load for a shipper, and that's right. the value we have. And if we're not doing that, 
what is the value we have? And then we're certainly going to be disrupted. Right. It's interesting. In this last few years, we've all you know heard about the driver shortage and the industry in general, I think, has more appreciation that it's a tough job and we've not treated carriers right, not treated drivers right, not treated carriers right. And I think there's this desire to do a better job on it. And let's face it, when we're talking about relationships, you can never go too far, right? You always want to improve a relationship, whether it be with a spouse or a friend or a business partner. But it's not always easy to manage. And so you mentioned LinkedIn and Facebook. I love LinkedIn, but I'm connected to 15,000 people. How many do I really talk to on a regular basis? How many do I really know? <laughs> I think that's the same thing that happens with carrier networks. When I say, and everybody we talk to says, I've got 25,000 carriers that we work with. Last month, how many checks did you write? And it's always 200, 300, 400, right? Yeah. It's interesting. If you're going to introduce technology to help manage carrier relationships, and often when we talk to some of the larger freight brokers who are trying to build their own, they're focused on the Salesforce-like elements that allows them to manage just basic information. Where are my calls? What's my next call? Information about the client. Freight friend data collection is really focused on elements that deliver freight matching. So it's focused on delivering the productive value to both sides that you can get from the relationships. We're less focused on the side that is getting to know the person, getting to know who their kids are, getting to know what football team they like. That's the people relationship element. That's really just notes. But we've got a wizard that a carrier rep can utilize, even if they're untrained, to properly onboard a carrier in under two minutes that's focused on getting the information that's going to drive freight matching to both sides, right? Those elements are who's the right contact, who should we send matching freight to, where do they typically want to go, what type of equipment do they typically run. We can then take emails and do email scraping with that information and natural language processing. Give me some specific lanes that they're looking for on a regular basis, as specific as possible, and then we'll let our technology expand beyond there. What services do they run? What equipment do they have? Boom, now we've got the information that combined with our technology and algorithms and other data set, we can deliver ranked results of loads to both sides, both to an internal rep in the office and both to the carrier automatically which then they can then automatically execute. Managing the relationship from a freight friend perspective is directly tied to the information that's going to drive execution and making the relationship more productive and more financially successful to both sides. Right. So when we talk about some of the problems in the industry, so from a carrier perspective, what are they looking for more in this relationship? Obviously, they want to work with the right brokers and shippers, right? So talk about that. What are they looking for? What is the right broker and shipper? And I think relationships become critical at two elements of the load cycle. One is trying to be a partner to the carrier by delivering them the right freight opportunities that are going to benefit them, right? They get so much noise out there. You really got to give them a targeted list of freight that makes sense for them. And you do that through relationship by getting to know them and then a technology. Certainly track and trace can now be very automated. Right. But the other element where the relationship becomes critical is if anything goes wrong. That's when a relationship really matters is when something's not good. The forklift breaks down and the the truck's got to pick up some other load in an hour. And the carrier wants to know that he's not dealing with somebody who doesn't really care at all, but that this relationship matters, that whether or not they can solve the problem, that it matters. So that's a key, key element of the relationship. 
So carriers choose to work with brokers who A, can deliver the loads that they want, and B, they can trust that they're going to get paid on time, and that if something goes wrong, which let's face it, we're in transportation, and that has not changed, that there's so many elements that a lot of times things goes wrong, they're going to take care of each other. And then the other thing that we all want is whether we're working together online because of it's a pandemic or face-to-face, we want to enjoy ourselves and have fun and engage. So I think carriers are looking for that. So with Freight Friend, we allow the carriers to identify and select the brokers or shippers that they want to work with, and we make it a mutual friendship process. So whether the invitation comes from the broker or shipper to the carrier, the carrier still has to accept, or if the carrier invites brokers or shippers, the broker or shipper has to accept that if the relationship goes awry, carrier steals a load or a broker doesn't pay their freight bill, they can disengage. Right, right. So, you know, I think one of the things becoming a theme in our industry is we have technology that can automate things and we should automate the things that should be automated if it's mundane or routine and it's easy for technology to do it. Great. But hopefully that frees us up to have humans do the stuff that only humans can do, which is build relationships. Talk about how your freight friend can help with that. We make the data collection of the data that matters really easy and walk reps through the process of that conversation in under two minutes. And we also walk it through a carrier being able to onboard on the platform and give us that information. Then we're collecting automatically lots of data sets based on load history, how they engage with our platform. Every click that a carrier does, we're learning from experience, machine learning, AI, call it all the, you know, whatever name you want. And we're continuously learning on their preferences and being able to deliver a ranked results list of load to carriers that they can then automatically execute through quote and book it now which can automatically execute in the TMS with the right integrations. But one thing I'd like to add is Freight Friend, even if a carrier doesn't register on Freight Friend, we can push ranked results of loads from individual clients to them based on their needs that we've collected while protecting the proprietary data of each broker. We don't share a broker's proprietary data that they collect on carriers that is unique to them and pushes ranked freight to those carriers. Then if the carrier likes what they see in Freight Friend, we give them a little link at the bottom where they can then register, which will allow them to invite other brokers and shippers to be friends and then get a ranked results list of loads that's blended from all of their friends. So it's really enabling carriers to, if they have a relationship and they decide they want to work with a company, now we're going to make that relationship that much more productive for both sides. And like you said, the people can focus on the things that matter, building the relationship and problem solving and working together as people. Right, right. And so if I'm a carrier, I'm always going to have these lane imbalances, my need back calls and other stuff like that. How does this help me? What was the intention of a broker? Why did we come into an existence? From a shipper perspective, it's to be able to identify regional carriers all over the country and deliver solutions that a shipper really couldn't manage. From the carrier side, we want to be the outside sales force, right? A carrier is typically based in a city. They have clients within that city that are sending them all over the country and they have to get back, but they don't have the sales force around the country. The broker should serve as the sales force. That's also part of the lost art that we don't know what carriers are looking for. We don't care. We're just looking to move a load and really Freight Friend is going to help those brokers by automatically identifying the right loads, continuing to target it, to continue to refine our understanding through machine learning about what carriers are looking for. And even if a broker is not 
really doesn't know it in their head, now Freight Friend is allowing them to deliver this. We are your outside sales force. We know what your needs are and here's a bunch of loads that you, you should want. I was at a 3PL. We did mostly LTL and I got real used to that. It was great. I liked it very much. And then I went to an asset-based carrier and we had like 500 trucks there, which I loved, right? Because when you would call someone, they would say, oh, you have assets? Great. I mean, that was just a really a, a big bonus. Usually when you're calling from somewhere non-asset-based, or at least used to be, people were like, oh, you don't have your own trucks, don't call me. But what kind of blew me away when I found out at this trucking company is everywhere I went looking at shippers, they would say, oh, you've got your own trucks, great. But then the next thing they want me to do is fill out this giant packet of information. Even before I got in, and so I felt like they were collecting carriers just so I could be on their list of, oh, now we got 15,001 carriers. And it was a lot of work and they wouldn't give me any business. And then finally, the vice president of this company that I was working at said, hey, uh, Joe, don't fill out any more carrier packets until they give you the business. And I felt like, oh my God, I was running in circles. They were wasting my time having me fill out paperwork without me getting any business. You know, there's a couple of thoughts that are interesting about that. The, the, the history of brokerage really, brokers came on the scene through deregulation, really with the opportunity to provide great value to shippers, really start to make the entire transportation industry more efficient by eliminating empty miles and allow shippers to now access carriers all over the country. But brokers started to get a bad name. The other innovation that I forgot to say that American Backhaulers brought is we started committing on freight. We started figuring out what we should charge and committing on freight and taking the problem off the client's desk rather than say, let me see if I can find a truck, which really did nothing. Consequently, we could start to get more and more freight and dig in and try to cover it. Well, as brokers started to do that more and started not being very focused on actually executing, they started failing loads and brokers started to get a bad name. So then shippers start feeling, I need to work with asset carriers only because brokers suck and they don't care. And they were right. But I think then what started to happen is a lot of asset carriers got brokerage authority and it became difficult to determine who was what and how they were going to move the truck anyway and difficult to manage. And then I think some legal liability reasons came out to give large shippers the reason that maybe they didn't want to work with an asset carrier and they'd rather work with a large broker who's got the insurance to give them an arm's length transaction. And now that's starting to shift back as the case law changes. So there's been a lot of boom and bust cycle in brokers and all of this, the brokerage industry has certainly continued to grow. I think we're at an inflection point that brokers need to evolve or we will get disintermediated. There was one other thing that used to happen. And I this was, again, coming from an LTL background and finding myself as an asset-based company, I would find a shipper and they'd say, hey, I need to ship from Michigan to Texas. I thought, oh, that's perfect. That's a great lane for us. And then I would talk to the ops guys and they say, we don't want that one because do you have a backhaul for it? And I say, well, no. And then I would call brokers and I start calling all the brokers. And what's crazy is I really did need them because I needed that backhaul. But seven, eight years later, I would still get calls from that broker. Even after I wasn't doing any freight, when that number would ring, I'd say, let me guess. They just gave you the list of dead customers. No, they're not dead customers. They said, trust me, you got the dead customer list. <laughs> It'd be a new guy every six months or so. But right. anyway, so talk about how freight print can help with those backhauls. I think your best type of carrier is the type of carrier that has their own core customer bases and are looking to balance their networks. And Freight Friend is going to, based on data collection and based on automated data gathering, deliver ranked results of loads to a carrier. 
via email. We're going to push it via email to the carriers, allow them to digitally execute, continuously learn based on what they click and don't. And it makes identification, choosing who your partners are and identification of the right backhaul freight much easier and more effective. Eventually, certainly brokers can get regular lanes as well. And carriers can start to build their networks around some regular lanes that make one of those legs, maybe brokerage freight. Yep, yep. What is the benefit for a 3PL or broker to jump in and use FreightFriend? Well, FreightFriend has three key elements that are going to benefit a brokerage. One, we've got a new carrier search that allows a broker or a shipper to look among all registered FMCSA carriers, about 550,000, based on a lane that they serve, origin, destination, and equipment. Not where they're based, not what states they go to. An origin city and a destination city that they serve, we've got very proprietary technology that filters through all those carriers and delivers a ranked results list of carriers. So essentially a lead list of carriers for a lane of need. Then we have a wizard to automatically onboard a carrier in under two minutes and gather the information, even if they're untrained rep, to retrain this lost art of this carrier conversation and gather the information that's going to then drive freight matching and working together automatically. We then provide what we call capacity guru. So from your now existing carrier base, capacity guru delivers a ranked list of carriers for any load, essentially a dynamic routing guide that you can even do waterfall tender with or blast tender or just have a call list in front of a carrier rep that they can see instantaneously when they're trying to move a load. But in the freight friend model, when you are engaged with a carrier, rather than just not moving that one load, You want to offer them all loads that are matching between the two parties to make the conversation more productive and expand the relationship. So for that, we deliver Freight Guru, which delivers a ranked results list of loads based on the same data sets, algorithms for any individual carrier. So you're talking to the carrier based on Capacity Guru about a load you're trying to move. And then as while you're talking or emailing or chatting with that carrier, we now offer to tell you all the loads that you should talk to them about so you can book multiple loads at one time. That's now making your reps significantly more productive. Their loads booked per rep per day can be finding 50 to 100% improvement in relatively short amounts of time. And the carrier's time is now much more productive as well because they're able to book multiple loads on multiple days out with the relationships that they want to grow with. So I can move more loads a day if I'm a broker. You can move more loads per day on fewer carriers, reducing your risk and improving your service. When we were prepping, we talked a little bit about this. There's a number of carriers inside of your system already. So if I'm a brand new, let's just say I started a 3PL or an existing 3PL and I want to grow my carrier base, Can I grow it faster in this system? Absolutely. But let me, first of all, our new carrier search is going to allow you to get a lead list from all registered FMCSA carriers, 550,000 carriers you're searching office. Secondly, when a client onboards onto our platform, we're going to pull in their entire carrier base, really incorporate our publicly available data, incorporate load history, incorporate all sorts of elements and start delivering ranked freight matches from the individual client with proprietary data that we protect to the carrier right off the bat. So in total, I would say our clients, we've got 150,000 carriers a daily that we're daily auto-communicating to ranked loads to. We then allow the carrier, if they like the way they're seeing this ranked loads list from an individual broker or shipper, to register on FreightFriend, 
where they can connect with multiple brokers or chippers and then get a ranked results list of loads from all those carriers blended. So we have about 20,000 registered carriers and we are adding a lot every day because they're getting introduced through this network effect of our clients pushing ranked loads to them. But FreightFriend is not dependent on carriers being registered to deliver them rank results list of loads and allow them to auto-execute. That's been one of the challenges, I think, as technology has grown, is to drive carrier engagement where there's significant app fatigue, right? Carriers are getting inundated. Even if they don't register on our platform, we will deliver rank results list of loads via email, which is what everybody's using, and then allow them to auto-execute. We do that through what we call a userless web page. So an email gets pushed to an email address that's set by the client, right? That we know this is the email that should receive load matches. They can now engage with this web page from a link on this email without even registering on the platform. So it allows carrier engagement without them even knowing that they're engaged. And then we're continuously learning from every click while protecting the proprietary information that's unique to each broker, and then driving the network effect to encourage them to register on the platform if they want to. Is this considered a TMS? I mean, does it track trades all Freight Friend is, focuses on procurement. Right. It's the back end of the TMS. <laughs> well, it's the front end of the TMS. It's right. Well, well, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Finding the carrier. Once you find the carrier, the TMS should take over. In fact, our book it now is really calling an API from the TMS where the TMS will automatically do what a carrier up would do, do the same verifications that have to happen. A TMS is asked to do so many things. The execution of a load is really complex. And that TMSs who've tried to do back office and have tried to do pricing and have tried to do carrier procurement, they just don't do a great job at it. So I think the TMS of the future, and I think Ryan talks about this a lot, the TMS of the future will be really targeted, focused on execution, have great connectors so it can play well with others and tap into the technology that's the best for any particular element of the process. Right. We're right. focused on procurement. That's that what Freight Friend focuses on. Yeah, I did a podcast not so long ago with Nick Dangles. And uh, one of the things we talked about is how to make technology sticky. And we're afraid tech sticky. And one of the things that, you know, you think about just what makes tech sticky in general is that it obviously has to work. But the technology that makes us the happiest is the technology that's real easy and does something really well and doesn't kind of try and get that bloated thing where it says this software will do everything for you. Because we've all seen that. We've all been part of that where they say, oh, yeah, just go this screen, that screen, that screen. Oh, yeah, you can do that. You can do that. And the answer is always kind of it's in there. And that gets old. I think what we're used to is, I think what the softwares that we use, you, and let, we'll talk about app for a second. What's great about Lyft is I can get a car in two minutes. And <laughs> not, not that it can do everything. It won't get me a hotel room, but I just need a car. Right. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think we are very proud of it. I'm very proud of the intuitive nature of how Freight Friend works. People get it really quickly. And the reason for that is I grew up in the industry 40 years doing this. I've been moving freight and talking to carriers and trying to book a load and for 40 years, right? So it's not Freight Friend doesn't come from a Stanford graduate, AI graduate, and that's technology focused first and trying to learn the industry. 
the business operations, how we do what we do needs to be the core element of design of the technology. And it shouldn't even feel like technology. And Freight Friend, I think everybody who's seen it is a super impressed with the intuitive nature of our UI, of our user interface. But we've also designed Freight Friend 2.0 state-of-the-art technology microservice API, meaning our results, our data and our ranked results, Freight Guru, Capacity Guru, can be delivered wherever you want it. It doesn't have to go through our user interface. If you have a screen in your TMS that can pull up a dynamic routing guide, Freight Friend can deliver the results there. So it's really flexible which elements of Freight Friend a client wants to use, how they want the data delivered to them. But I agree with you that technology needs to be really intuitive and really easy to learn. And we're very proud of Freight Friend's UI in that regard and have great developers on the front end and back end who who are just creative and able to figure out how to do that. Well, it sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. So if someone wants to know more, how do they reach out to you and your team? FreightFriend.com. Right is our website. I would go there. It describes what I've been talking about very well. Jeff Hansen, our director of business development, Jeff at FreightFriend.com. I'm Noam at FreightFriend.com. We'd love to talk to you, see if there's a fit, and then show people the software. They should go to FreightFriend.com and take a look, and I think they'll be impressed with this. I'll put those links in the show notes. Someone wants to reach out to you or Jeff, they can. And it sounds like a tool that's time has come because, again, I, I, all the things we talked about, having these carry relationships are so important. We all talk about it. It's just how do we make that happen? And this sounds like a tool that can facilitate some of that. Absolutely. We think so. I appreciate talking to someone who's been there, done that, got the hat, and also gives us a little bit of history of this industry. I've got a lot of relationships over the years of people that I've worked with and I've got to know. And what I think what everybody will say is once they get sucked into the freight business, they're kind of stuck. Those of us will sit down, we'll talk freight for hours. It's just fun. We enjoy it. So it's been a pleasure talking to you, Joe. And I know you've got that kind of energy for the freight business too. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, I enjoy talking to people like you. And it's funny, I enjoy talking to all the different people in this industry and it's, it has become so dynamic. It's interesting. It feels like a, the business I joined felt a little stayed, felt a little behind the curve. Now all I hear is just the developments are hard to keep up with right now. So I think it's a fascinating time to be in this business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Noam. And uh Thanks to all of you who listen to the podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Thank you, Joe. This has been a real pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. <laughs>